Welcome to Postwave. You're here with Eric and Trevor. Ah, so Trevor, um, this nice lady came up and she gave me this ice cream cone. Yeah. What kind of ice cream is it? Strawberry. And I like it. I like the ice cream. I like having ice cream. But um, it's a really hot day out and some of the ice cream melted and it got on my hand and my hand's all sticky. And also some of it dripped and it fell on the ground so I don't get to eat that part of the ice cream anymore so ah fuck it I'm just gonna throw the ice cream on the ground it's not worth it sounds like a good decision to me I don't don't see the I don't see the (laughs) 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 and it's like she she didn't even give the ice cream to me out of any sort of goodwill or anything it's not like I asked for the ice cream. She just wanted to feel good about herself. Life's a bitch, huh? <laughs> <laughs> mm. I mean, I, th- I think to make that, that story more accurate, it would be more like you, you taste the ice cream, but it's flaming hot, and then you realize that your hand is, is super glued to the cone and can't come off, and that you're going to have to <laughs> walk around with the cone glued to your hand for the rest of your life. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's how it goes. How do you feel about antinatalism? Do you buy it? I have I have very like conflicted feelings because I feel like anyone I have very conflicted feelings about it because on the surface the whole argument is appealing in that you can kind of use it to cast aside everything bad about your life and just say, "Oh, the whole thing is just kind of rigged and you know, it's it's all kind of uh crap in the end so like i i shouldn't i shouldn't blame myself for you know uh it seeming that bad Mm. um and so it's it's attractive for that reason but it's also um a conclusion that you know uh everyone basically agrees is wrong (laughs) 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 and that you know it's it's basically common sense and the thing that you don't have to you know you shouldn't have to have to um justify Mm. so yeah it's like a it's like a dissonance between the the immediate like like attractiveness of the argument Mm. versus just the the knowledge that it's way more complicated than it's being presented as mm-hmm. would you say that it so that it's tempting to not care about living about existing like and that that's the attraction i mean i it's it's not not caring it's it's that i, I don't think that um uh not caring is equivalent to saying that um that existence is inherently bad hmm. because 
not not caring is is just oh you know whatever happens is going to happen you know it doesn't matter but mm-hmm. um caring about you know um whether existence is act like actively harmful that hmm. that's a di- that's a different thing <laughs> yeah um <laughs> yeah okay um so i i i definitely um can buy into the feeling of like wanting to stop putting in the effort and caring and just like how 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 is this broken world on my shoulders it's not fair and it shouldn't be and so screw it all Mm -hmm. i don't care anymore um (laughs) that's tempting i I, i'm not saying i buy into that but it's tempting for sure um Mm -hmm. however i completely think that the summing up the all the good things in the world and all the bad things and saying oh look there's so much more of the bad quantity so therefore the the sum is negative that's utter horseshit well i actually so i don't think that's exactly the argument that they're making oh i because yeah, it's, not, it's not it's not because i, I well, think it's that's not about exactly quantity <laughs> it's not well it's not about the quantity it's that it's that no matter what the quantity is even if it was you know the most gigantic amount of pleasure and like you know one second of pain the argument is that even in that situation it it makes sense that uh non-existence is better than existence <laughs> which you can argue is is obviously like like silly but like the the point isn't that it the amount matters it's that by nature mm. pain is treated differently than pleasure i think at this point ivan cries out that's plagiarism in delight and kisses alyosha's hand <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, this, it's, it's hilarious this conundrum that they put forward is completely plagiarized out of the brothers karamazov by dotsoevsky yeah this is exactly oh, really? so, so they have this scene where uh two of the brothers are talking and one has this hypothetical story he made up where uh jesus comes back and the the pope sees him and Everyone's afraid of the Pope, and he uh, captures Jesus and locks him in a cell, and he's talking to him, and um, and the Pope says, we don't need you anymore. Go away. <laughs> and then Jesus does. <laughs> um, and so then they're talking about, like, how they completely reject a, a world in which there is any suffering at all. So, um, like if, if some, and and that's, uh, interesting because it's built around the, the precept of a creator having intentionally made it this way. So there's a world and there's just one person, Jesus, who has to be crucified and tortured in order for everyone to be saved. Do you accept that world? And they say, no, I, I respectfully return the ticket, um, Whereas, mm-hmm. uh, and, and they go on and they say, if there was just one miserable little child who had to be tortured and then everyone would be happy and everything would be great, would you, would you live in that world or would you walk away? Well, yeah, once you, once you start um, putting like actual, like um, emotionally charged uh, things like, you know, harming children into the mix, like things start to go haywire. <laughs> but- <laughs> But it's the same hypothetical situation that you just posited. Like, you have a world 
there is some suffering. Do you accept that world mm -hmm. or would you, all things considered, let it pass by? Something you said made me think about, um, so I mean, this is all, this is all rooted in like, um, uh, the idea of a creator, right? Yes. So, and, and I feel like this antinatalist argument is very much a product of, of moving away from religion mm. and, uh, something that this, um, this philosopher, um, Peter Vessel Zappa, uh, has, uh, stated is that, um, the kind of the absurd predicament of, uh, human life is, is a result of it being kind of an accident of evolution that we're giving these tools to understand or, or to at least think that we can understand what's going on around us. Right. Mm -hmm. And that it's probably out of our reach anyway. Like there's no, we, we can understand that we can't understand, but we can't, you know, actually, um, grasp what's going on and we can, you know, we can know of our impending death, but we, uh, can't really do anything to, you know, prevent it. Mm. No other animals like that as far, as far as we know. Mm. Hmm. Uh, that I don't know if I buy that kind of argument because like sh sure sure in our little world of this planet earth as far as we limit our limit understanding that we're the only uh, sentient beings that has any concept of our own inevitable death and all that kind of stuff but we we, we don't know that is the case and furthermore if you consider the vast uh, quantity of of space and the the likelihood of other intelligent beings, it becomes an emergent property of having a universe that that form of consciousness can exist. And yeah, does. yeah. I mean, I guess I, I guess you don't have to say that it's only humans for it to be bad. I mean, it's it's kind of just the nature of existence that you can out of consciousness and intelligence that you can you know apprehend what, what's about to happen um but um yeah i mean i think i think you can still make the argument that that's negative hmm i don't know i i so they talk about in, in this article they talk about or who's this written by david benatar okay so this david bitch so uh this guy talks about how now now I got myself off track. <laughs> um he 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 seems to talk as if dying is like so bad that it negates the value of anything that came before it. And I completely disagree with that. I don't think that's his whole argument. Um It's a part of his argument for sure. Yeah. I mean it's it's you know it's the chance of dying just a horribly like you know drawn out excruciating death, you know that the ch the small chances of that that you're you're kind of uh <laughs> taking on as the price of admission. <laughs> um even if they're unlikely. Yeah. Uh I mean there of course there's always going to be a risk involved, but um there's a huge difference between making a educated risk of saying I'm going to bring a child into the world and that child is going to have a life and there is some small probability that they'll have a, a particularly horrible edge case of human suffering um, 
than to intentionally bring a child into suffering. Like no one says, honey, let's have a child with a congenital birth defect. Oh, that sounds lovely, Sue. Let's do that. Yeah, but I mean, even, <laughs> even if the intention isn't there, like, um, and it doesn't have to, be, it doesn't have to be something catastrophic, you know, um, like, like a, dis like, a, you know, a severe disability. Um, but you know, any, any life is going to have, you know, a, a good amount of, of suffering and pain and just, you know, mm. um, even if it's just from, you know, losing people that are close to you or, or, you know, being disappointed by not achieving things. I don't know. I think mm. it's, I think it's, yeah, it, it, it I think it happens in like smaller ways than that. Yeah. Um, let's talk about what pain is. So P Trevor, what, what is pain to you? Uh, so, I mean, there are a couple different things you could talk about. Like, I mean, so there's like physical pain, right? It's literally like, you know, that that's hot or that's sharp. Um, <laughs> oh, that's hot. <laughs> um, but then there's also, you know, like, like emotional une unease that I think counts as pain or just, you know, um, any, any kind of sadness or anger or, um, or fear, I feel mm. like could be considered a type of, of pain. Um, maybe not so much anger, but, but, but I feel like, um, anger is often like related to pain. Mm, related I'm, I'm curious about this relationship like can we put a finer point on what that relationship is between anger and pain yeah between pain and any of those things you mentioned yeah so I, uh so i mean between like pain and sadness i mean so there i mean there's the sadness of like you know knowing that a pain will persist, you know, for longer than you want it to. Right. And there's mm. like sadness in knowing that like, if, uh, if you had never experienced, you know, a certain level of pain before afterwards, you have this, this sadness of, you know, knowing that that's possible. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just not buying it. I mean, I, I see that there's that possible relationship but that's not the only possible relationship um, my, my friend my wonderful friend Erica just not long ago broke her leg and she um, not all the time but she did some of the time refuse pain medication and w afterwards while healing she did not use any pain medication mm -hmm. uh, she said she experienced possibly more pain than she ever has in her life and she's done a lot of uh really painful things <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and and she she said that having had that experience was one of the most valuable things in her life and she wouldn't have gone back and changed it if she had the opportunity to yeah yeah I mean, I th i'm not saying that pain isn't isn't valuable because i mean it definitely has you know it can it can uh 
it can show you things about yourself and it can, you know, lead you to make the right decisions. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying it's, it's totally like, uh, worthless, but it, it does, um, it does come kind of come back to the fact that even if, even if pain makes us feel good in the long run, there's still pain involved in that process. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't necessarily have to be the case, you know? Um, and this is actually, this is, this is interesting. Cause I, I actually, uh, think that's one of the weaker arguments for, for antinatalism is that like, it could be, you know, that we live for 10,000 years <laughs> to experience pain, <laughs> which I mean, if, if, you know, if we develop like AI and mind uploading, sure, maybe that could actually happen. But mm -hmm. like, um, as far as, um, as far as like anything realistic that we could actually, you know, um, mm attain right now that that's just like so commonly <laughs> yeah <laughs> outside of yeah it's like he's comparing this present moment with some hypothetical moment that could not could very improbably exist and it's as it almost feels as if he's saying like look why would we have this imperfect world if it's conceivable we could have something else well we should just toss in the towel it's not worth it as far as like anything realistic that we could actually, you know, um, mm. attain right now, that, that's just like so commonly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> outside of. Yeah, it's like he's comparing this present moment with some hypothetical moment that could not could very improbably exist, and it's as it almost feels as if he's saying, like, look, why would we have this imperfect world if it's conceivable we could have something else well we should just toss in the towel it's not worth it <laughs> yeah <laughs> but part of the point he's making is that the world is like a massively fucked up place it's not just about you you know and your you know your personal like experience it's like on a on a massive scale mm. like human there's like so much suffering not not even just humans but like animals too right mm -hmm. um just that nature and biology itself is so kind of ruthless and doesn't really care about you know pain reducing pain or suffering um because that's kind of what makes the machine tick so here's a question considering that there is pain and suffering in the world that we experience right now is it a fundamental nature of existence that there should always be suffering. I don't, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, we can definitely imagine creating like artificial intelligence that doesn't have suffering. Um, hypothetically. I don't know about that. Um, uh, so, so this goes into my own understanding of what pain is, um, which to me, pain is information. It is, a awareness of a non-desirable state mm. and um, there's different kinds of course there's chronic pain and there's passing pain and you kind of have to have both if you're gonna have uh, the other because the first part that has to happen is the perception of pain and then uh, the purpose of it is to determine if there's something you can do about it if there is you fix it 
you resolve the pain, and through that process, the pain has helped you grow. Now, sometimes there's chronic pain. Sometimes there's pain you cannot resolve, and that's uh, simply a price of having the awareness of any sort of a desirable versus non-desirable experience. Uh, okay, so it's chronic chronic pain versus like like it's a, what do you call it? Um, I don't know, temporal pain. Yeah. Um, yeah, temp- like temporary pain versus chronic pain. Um, mm-hmm. So you're you're saying that chronic pain is just kind of the price you pay for the, the like the kind of the instantaneous pain. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess there's really no way around it. And like again, like it's hard to imagine like biological beings that evolve without pain because it it's kind of involved in self preservation. Mm-hmm. Um. The other side of this is like we might be able to overcome these like quote unquote fundamental problems, you know, mm-hmm. within our lifetime with technology, and and it'll become very clear that you know that it's it's good that we're here. <laughs> uh-huh. So he poses this question, and the way he poses it is like so obvious, like, like he assumes that one particular answer is the only answer you could possibly give. He says, would you endure a minute of, wait, let me, let me find it. I wrote down the exact quote. So he says, would you endure a minute of the worst agony and torture? If you would also get a minute or two of the greatest pleasures. It's like, Oh yeah, and everyone says obviously no. <laughs> not, but <Yeah>. um, <laughs> I would say yeah. <laughs> give it to me, give it to me all. Um, this guy obviously needs to spend some time in my dungeon. <laughs> I'll show him a good time. I'll show him what pleasure is all about. Are are, are you sure you're imagining the worst possible? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but but the thing about this is we can reduce it. We can say. Okay, I don't I don't know what the worst possible pain is and I don't know what the greatest possible pleasure is, but let's say um a amount of pain and an amount of pleasure that are kind of like standard baseline normal experience. And mm-hmm. can you, you can say give me a minute of standard pain and then give me a minute of standard pleasure. Mm-hmm. I say yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but okay, but that's like the standard version. So how does that? You're saying that still holds even when it's like infinite, like infinitely bad and infinitely good. What I'm saying is that these these <laughs> uh, values are impossible to quantify, and it's kind of hilarious that he talks about it as as if it's like a a measurable experience. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you can, you can say that you know in the middle, but when things are you know either really bad or really good, it's it's harder to harder to say that. How do you mean? I mean, I mean, so, uh, <laughs> I mean, you you can imagine like, um, like death by drowning mm-hmm. is obviously like really bad, right? So they say. 
<laughs> um, and you know, ha- having sex feels pretty good. Uh-huh. <laughs> so like, you you really you really can't say that you know one of those things is is better than the other one. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay, so, so there's definitely okay. There's there's some sort of gradient, but um, I think it's impossible still to quantify. Um, and there's there's no way to say like the greatest pain is worse than the greatest pleasure. Right. I mean, I still I still think okay. So this is kind of the central point of antinatalism, right? Which is this asymmetry argument, mm-hmm. which is that. Um, you don't uh if you don't exist you are not hurt by the cool things you're missing out on but you're there uh there's a lack of pain so that's positive so there's a net positive for not existing right <laughs> oh gosh wow <laughs> that's my, my my heart pumping just to to, to hear yeah. that <laughs> that that seems so twisted to me <laughs> <laughs> why why is that uh, it's 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 hard mm. i i do want to i do want to say why and i'll try but it, it's challenging it's like when someone says something that sounds like kind of plausible but then like there's little logical incongruities baked in that are hard to notice and so mm-hmm. you just get this like gross feeling when you hear it that that's yeah. what I feel about this. Yeah. Um, but I will I will try. <laughs> I guess that's why we're here to yeah. pick apart <laughs> just why it's so garbage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's like he has this assumption that pain equals bad, pleasure equals good. The value that is gained to be gained in life is identical to pleasure and pain is the reason why you wouldn't want to that that whole that whole system is kind of irrelevant to me it doesn't it doesn't hold any water um, because it's not pleasure that makes life meaningful pleasure is just like a reward for something that we perceive as being good well, it depends how you define pleasure. If you're talking about like like low kind of base pleasures versus like life satisfaction type stuff, right? Mm. I don't know um, because uh, let, let's talk about like for example dopamine, where you get a reward for something that your system perceives as being beneficial for itself, um, mm-hmm. and you can have a system that's flooded with dopamine where you get rewarded all the time. And you can have a system that's almost deprived of dopamine, where it's, it's very stoic and and staunch. And either one is capable of having a meaningful experience, uh, an awareness of the value of their own existence and of the existence of life. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. And I mean... I'm I'm playing devil's advocate here, but ultimately, I think it I think it is 
kind of a bad argument yeah. <laughs> just because uh well there's there's also like the um the the fact that the condition of you judge being able to judge whether life is worth living is dependent on you being there to judge it ah yeah absolutely yeah yeah um but yeah i do think that that the 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 capacity to perceive meaning is 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 like maybe the, the most important thing absolutely and that that's not tied directly to pleasure although sometimes pleasure comes as a result of that awareness right and so so it's entirely irrelevant to me to talk about how much pleasure or how much pain there is in the system that doesn't have anything to do with the meaning of your existence yeah I, and I guess we're, we're kind of talking about you know like on the level of people like individual people mm -hmm. right now yeah right um and that's kind of a different argument than like on average this <laughs> you know on average of human society for you know hundreds of thousands of years wasn't wasn't really worth it which is I feel like that's a different that's a different argument. Hmm. Um, but like, again, who's judging? Because obviously for yeah. the people who were there, it was worth it. Otherwise, they yeah. would have just killed themselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a really, really, really arrogant quote that I'd like to share from you from this article. What's the guy's name again? <laughs> David Benatar. David Benatar says, <clears throat> Life is simply much worse than most people think. And there are powerful drives to affirm life, even when life is terrible. People might be living lives that were actually not worth starting without recognizing that is the case. <laughs> yeah, I, I know that sounds like silly, but like <laughs> those those like those thoughts like have like have some power. And like there, there's this thing called um, depressive realism. Mm hmm. I don't know if you've heard of that. Have you heard of that? Is it the idea that when you're depressed, you have a, a more accurate perspective of the, the world? Yeah, like humans are kind of, you know, uh, engineered to be optimistic on average. And there's an argument to be made that if, if you're seeing things more re realistically, you're going to be a little bit sadder because you're, you're seeing how they, like, you're, you're, um, you're you're kind of aware of all the 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 bad stuff that's going on um and it's kind of you know it's kind of the thing where like you you know you keep telling yourself bad things will happen and they keep happening that kind of thing mm. um and yeah it, it is true that we have like a, a biological bias for, for wanting to keep existing just because that's how, that's how life works. Mm. And it's not necessarily true that that's, um, that that's a good thing. I mean, that's, I guess that's the, the kind of the whole question. Yeah. I, like he talks about these powerful drives. Um, I, I, I think that he, he needs to consider the possibility that those powerful drives to affirm life, despite the existence of pain, they, they might, actually have some merit to them yeah um i mean i think at some level we, i mean we, it's it's hard to even question our drives because we're stuck with them 
you know, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think that's, that's, I mean, it's kind of what I think is, is, you know, like our, I mean, satisfying our drives is kind of like part of what it means to be a human, you know, mm-hmm. but it's very easy to, you know, start down the path of, of like, Oh, am I, am I just misinterpreting like everything in my life and like, you know, kidding myself that, you know, any of it, like the, I'm kidding myself that the good parts are as good as I think they are. And I'm mm. kidding myself that the bad parts aren't like as prevalent as they actually are. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think it's valuable to bring the critical eye to your existence, but it's also very, very important if you do so to recognize that when you when you take that that depressive realist viewpoint and see the world that's still a subjective perspective and it's going to be incomplete even if it may seem to be more accurate than the optimistic perspective it's still incomplete it's not perfect right right that's that's totally true that's uh yeah i mean i think that's a rabbit hole that's very easy to fall into when you're in the depressive mindset as i can as i can attest to yeah yeah your brain your brain just wants to like find the like find the simple pattern that's there and it's like everything is just you know <laughs> shitty because that's like a, a very like like i said it's it's a, it's kind of, on some level it's a very attractive thought because it it lets you just you know put everything in one mm. like bucket that's just like yeah stupid uh-huh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> so so one one thing we haven't really talked about uh is the the question of like from the the parents perspective like whether it's a selfish thing to bring mm. someone into existence because um the the argument is that you can't consent to your own existence and you know you're never consulted and you never agreed to be born mm. um and your parents you know despite whatever their intentions are uh created you out of a, some kind of desire um that uh well it may have seemed to them like it was in your interest it was actually just fulfilling their own interests mm. for the can't, kind of life they want to have can't it be both sure yeah it seems to me those two things aren't mutually exclusive um but he yeah. does actually this is a really interesting point because he says something that i hard absolutely agree with um let me see where i wrote it down yeah so he says quote it would be better if there were not an unbearable lightness of bringing into being. I absolutely agree with this. I think that uh, a lot of people go into creating offspring with a very cavalier attitude without thinking it through at all. And that, that very cavalierness causes pain, unnecessary pain, uh, and and furthermore, not just the the kind of like awareness of things are bad, but I should say um, it brings damage to their growth to have that lack of intention into their creation. Yeah, I think people probably tend to underestimate, you know, the the. Uh, the extent to which having a kid like affects the world mm. in just a whole bunch of ways that aren't really predictable. 
Yeah, and also the extent to which your own existence and the world will affect the child. Um, if you, if you bring a child into the world as a, uh, an inconsidered impulse without thinking about uh, really really considering their livelihood and like how how you're going to bring them the best world that they can have, like they're going to be influenced by by the impulsive world that you bring them into. They'll become slave to the same impulses and they'll face the same drudgery that that you dragged yourself through. Yeah. Yeah, and of course there's the problem of everyone thinks that they're above average and <laughs> that you know they'll be a better parent than, you know, most people. Mm -hmm. Um and it actually yeah, it takes so much to actually do the do the job right. Mhm. Mm I think I think that because life is so meaningful, it's a decision that should be made with the utmost consideration and gravitas. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of I mean no matter what you think about, you know, religion or like spirituality, it's like a sacred, you know, it's a sacred thing, I would mm -hmm. say. Um definitely. I mean, I think I think it, it doesn't have to only be deliberate but it, it it could also be um inspired i i think i think that that's another valid way to bring life into the world is uh, a true inspiration where it, it's it's like an immediate knowing of of all of the possibility of, of your present actions and uh, an accepting of that um rather than any sort of delusion being present in in the decision. Ah. Huh. What what do you mean by that exactly? Um it just seems to me that like you could have one approach where you have a, a very deliberate thought out conscientious uh decision to create children and then you could have a a different couple in an entirely different set of people they would have an approach where their their act of of procreation their their love making that that it is love that they're creating as opposed to being uh carnal impulses devoid of love yeah i, I think that there's a yeah i think there's a point to that and and i would say like the fact that something like love can exist at all is kind of justification or can be used as justification for for a lot of the the suffering absolutely um yeah yeah because um so i, I made this little flow chart here so at the top we have you you can make <laughs> babies and there's two options here um one possibility is that life is worthwhile to live and therefore you did a good thing despite any any qualities about that life if that life is worthwhile then you did a good thing if the life is not worthwhile then you didn't do a bad thing because it doesn't matter nothing matters at all <laughs> right wait wait if if you wait if creating a life was a bad thing then it doesn't matter Oh, no, no, no. Um, so, so 
if life is not worthwhile to live, yeah, then it doesn't matter if you created a a, a child and their existence was undesirable. I don't know if you can say because you're you're saying if it's bad to to be alive, then it doesn't matter. I still don't get the. Or maybe I'm just getting it mixed up. Mm. Well, um, yeah, I guess the, I guess the, the language is here. So, 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 um, th the the thing that could be different is is not whether um, whether it's good or bad to live. Um, that would imply uh, an oscillation between a positive and a negative. Uh, I don't think that's how the world works. You don't write binary code with ones and negative ones. You write it with ones and zeros, right? It's either mm -hmm. it does matter or it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Life is worthwhile or it isn't. It's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I, 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 f I still feel like, like somehow, so so like. The question of anything mattering, I feel like, is not is not part of. Not quite part of this whole thing, hmm. because it's it's more it's it's not making a judgment about like you know, uh. Uh, you know, there's there's no meaning, it's that it's just inherently uh, unpleasant. So I think that's I think that's a separate thing than. Then mm. no meaning. I think you're absolutely right, and I think that is uh, the downfall of the antinatalist argument: is that it fails to bring into the question of whether uh, the the existence has meaning, which which, as we've talked about, is separate from whether there's pleasure or pain. Yeah. Although you could say that, <laughs> you could also say that whatever the meaning is, it's it's not worth the pain. No, because just because there's no, you, no. That's I mean, what you, I'm you, saying here. You can't say that, because it's either meaningful. The meaningfulness is what imbues it with value of any sort. So if it's meaningful, then it has value, despite if it has pain as well. If it's not meaningful, it doesn't have value, and nothing has value, and so it doesn't matter, whatever you do. Oh, you're giving those antenatals a taste of their own medicine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, it seems it seems insurmountable to me. I mean, uh, I mean, a, a universe where things are meaningless and also painful, I feel like is 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 worse. Hmm. <laughs> 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 I just because the, the the meaning doesn't doesn't change like the actual you know like like um strength of the perceptions of of the pain i would say if you had such a hypothetical universe where there are uh a million beings whose existence does not matter they are a meaningless existence, whatever that means. I, I don't necessarily believe that's possible. Um, but it's, imagine there's uh, a million beings who do not matter, and those beings are suffering. And in this world, there is one kid, and that kid 
matters. He 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 is his life matters. He's a valuable <laughs> entity. Good good having good experiences and thriving and being alive. And to 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 have that universe I think is worthwhile. Because that one scrap of gold in there, that one kid had a meaningful experience. I don't care about the other ones. They don't matter. That's the, like inherent to their their definition is that they don't matter. <laughs> what if, what if they're suffering like insanely so that this one kid can have like a meaningful experience? Good. <laughs> <laughs> All that matters is that he had a meaningful experience. It's well, meaningful. because you're 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 deliberately fine defining what matters is this one kid so like that you're like Yeah. You're automatically going to, you know, say that everything is worth Mm-hmm. but so okay so, so that's the thing that <laughs> that it is a silly silly situation because i don't believe that there is such an existence as one that doesn't matter yeah i mean i i agree that that like consciousness itself is is what matters and absolutely and, like the fact that that's happening at, at all is is what matters mm-hmm. um but yeah i i just i just I think the the meaning is has to be separate from whatever kind of pain pleasure thing is going on because you could always turn up the pain knob enough so that the meaning whatever it is you don't you don't care about. Mm. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think it can be true in some situations, but I think there are ways to approach the same the same heights of pain in which you can still find meaning yeah yeah it's 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 yeah it's not to say that you know meaning can't be found with like any any level of pain marcus aurelius talks about how life um has pain and and there's chronic pain and there's uh temperamental pain and um but that there is no such thing I, we we've already talked about this uh, right yeah there's go on though um that there there's no such thing as unendurable pain because mm-hmm. chronic pain brings with it its own end right because you've already if you think you can't stand another second you've already done it yeah exactly yeah yeah <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think i think i think the the physical pain maybe isn't actually the best thing to focus on because the 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 pain that i that i really think is is uh you know central to this argument is more like uh like psychological pain and and emotional mm. pain more just kind of like existential um you know, like, like I was saying, the recognition that, that your death is, you know, inevitable and that, uh, your life can go sideways and, you know, a bunch of different ways and, you know, um, just, just dealing with the reality of that and of having people you care about that are, you know, always under threat of, uh, you know, getting hurt or, mm-hmm. you know, um, that that's the kind of the thing that's kind of like an inescapable inescapable cost that i think is i think it's more it's more like 
more relevant than talking about physical pain because physical pain is so uh mm -hmm. like it's 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 very hit or miss whether people will actually have that kind of thing you know at any, at any point in their lives sure whereas i think you could argue that anyone you know is going to go through some some very intense psychological pain mm. at some point in their you know at multiple points in their lives even if it's just you know like a relationship ending or something um Mm -hmm. I mean, I still think I still think it it stands true that there's no endur unendurable pain. Yeah, and it kind of it kind of gets back to, um, you know, every everything is 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 suffering. I mean, that that's kind of like it's actually kind of like a, a mis mis uh, translation of, of I think what what the, the word. Uh, uh the original word um in buddhist text means and i think i think it's dukkha i do you know mm. i i'm not familiar yeah i think d dukkha is suffering and it doesn't exactly mean like suffering isn't the exact translation it's more like unfulfillment or something mm. um because life is constantly you know you're not getting either you're getting your gratified you're, you're getting your desired either you're not getting your desires gratified or you're getting them gratified and then another one appears that you immediately mm -hmm. focus on yeah and so yeah so you're in this this you know constant state of of unfulfillment and that i feel like that is very connected to this whole idea that that we're you know we're kind of engineered to suffer um just because of our, our reward system mm. and uh because of the way we experience pain mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think th I think that it's possible to overcome that existential dread. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, I I've gone through. I know this isn't complete. I know this is uh, impartial. But I've gone through uh, some changes in the last couple of years um, after my sister passed away. Um, before that, I was very much gripped with the fear of death and the fear of her death and of experiencing that. You know, she was chronically ill. Um, mm -hmm. And just like I had, I had a visceral fear of that it should happen. And then it did happen, and it was bad, but it wasn't the end. Like I, I, I kept going and was had meaningful experiences after that point. Mm -hmm. And and for that to be the case, that it feels to me that I am no longer in the same way afraid of death. I. I actually in a, a sort of meaningful way I've I've seen it I understand it to some extent and I'm not afraid of it I accept it as the inevitable result yeah yeah I mean that's that's definitely something I can't I can't really like an experience I can't really speak to and I think uh part, part of you know uh, just like with suffering, you kind of have to, to turn and embrace it to actually, you know, 
deal with it because mm-hmm. you can't you can't just put it off and say oh i'm not going to worry about that or you know it'll be just be better if i don't think about it because it'll you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> it'll 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 you know it'll get to you one way or another mm-hmm. um yeah I, and there is you know there is uh there is some beauty and that's just that that's you know that's the <laughs> that's that's how life works and and you know we're we're all kind of you know um just kind of temporary uh like apparitions yeah yeah, the point isn't to live for 10,000 years or 20,000 years. It's, it's to live for now and then pass on your genes and then die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or or rather than saying pass on your genes, I think uh, I, I would embrace a more diffuse understanding of that, um, which would be for me passing on your ideas and I think a very, very potent way that people do that often is through re- rearing offspring, but I don't think that's the only way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can, there are a bunch of different ways to have like an impact past your, past your death. Mm-hmm. Although I think that, I mean, that's another question you, you can ask is, is what's, the inherent value of that and is that just kind of like a ego hmm. like selfish you know i want to be i want to somehow outlast my death and i want to you know i want to have this impact um and, it, and that could be a totally like selfless thing i mean you can want to have a really positive impact mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean i think it has to be selfless unless you like want your name to be stuck on it and we all know how hopeless that is yeah <laughs> <laughs> is kind of kind of the point of passing through that that veil of of dying of, of you exist you impart your control you send out a ripple and then you you give it up and see what happens yeah, or don't see what happens cuz well yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah right <laughs> trust that something will happen <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think uh, you know along with along with something like love, I think just the, the fact that we can like perceive each other at all mm. makes things intensely, intensely meaningful. Yes. <laughs> and in- intensely, you know, um, yeah. Worthwhile. Mm. Yeah. That's really what it's all made out of, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when I, encouraged you and maddie to look into each other's eyes for 10 minutes i do remember that yeah that actually kind of fucked me up <laughs> if you remember <laughs> you mentioned that uh yeah. talk about that i i i don't remember how yeah i mean that, that was just uh so much just like a, a product of like being in a long distance relationship mm. and just like when you're because when you're doing that and then like you know your your partner comes to visit for a week you're just putting like so much pressure on yourself and your partner to have it be like you know an amazing hundred percent amazing time and and all that stuff yeah and um and i yeah i just got i just got like worried that she wasn't like smiling enough or something and i I was just i just got kind of like i don't know and i i like had somehow sent some like weird vibes just when we were hanging out and i think that kind of just like snowballed in my head Mm -hmm. um and 
yeah I, so i there was i i was totally not getting the point of the uh. <laughs> the, the thing you were because i you know i don't think i even taken acid at that point so i don't think i really uh you definitely had taken acid at that point oh really yeah this was because this, this was um when i was uh with that that guy chris in that in that right. motel apartment right uh which was yeah. after i got back from amsterdam senior year oh, okay yeah well even if i had yeah i guess i'd taken it but i i probably wasn't thinking about mm-hmm. I, I still don't think i got what what you were talking about when you're like oh but i'm like perceiving you and you're perceiving me and like <laughs> it's like <laughs> i think i I think that kind of just like went over my head a little bit <laughs> do you think you understand that now oh to- totally mm-hmm. i mean i mean just just the like if you actually, you know, are looking at someone and are thinking about the fact that they're experiencing the same thing that you are, but they're looking mm. at your face, which is an experience that you cannot have. And we're, and we're so, um, you know, programmed by the prevalence of like mirrors and cameras and the thinking that you can actually do that, you know, mm-hmm. like see your own face, but you can't do that in, you know, reality ever. Right. Mm. Without, <laughs> without some kind of like, you know, auxiliary like reflective surface yeah yeah and, and just the fact that that you're like your your perception is uh uh it's like all there is for you mm-hmm. and and that uh the other person that what they're perceiving that's that's the only thing they can they can perceive as well yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a really beautiful thing and I actually, I mean, like if, you know, because it's all just the universe and it's all just the universe, you know, being able to look, look at itself mm-hmm. and just th- the fact that that's how it's doing it and it's creating all these like emotions and everything. It's just, it's like that. I mean, that's pretty beautiful. Absolutely. So, okay. So what do you, what do you say to the um, idea that like humans on the planet are just a completely destructive environmental mm. scourge that's you know inflicting suffering on millions of animals and and all that all that good stuff uh shit you might actually i think you might have a point <laughs> 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 if ever there was a uh, an argument for antinatalism that would be it um, yeah throw the rest of it out and i think the rest of it's garbage but <laughs> that actually i i don't know if i can refute that exactly i or I, I, yeah. I can i can i can pose another perspective but it really kind of feels like a hail mary shot to me i think that the more realistic perspective is that humanity in its current state in our current society is a virus upon the earth that is bringing unnecessary destruction mm-hmm I mean, yeah, it, it, that's true in some sense. Um, it's also true that, you know, nature on its own is pretty brutal and that, you know, sure, we're creating, you know, we're creating like environmental problems, but as far as like the the actual, like, you know, raw, raw amount of suffering, like that actually isn't, isn't being changed too much. Mm. And that like the, the environmental destruction is, is like the things that we, care about are the things that end up you know um making us sad that the environment is being destroyed but it's not 
like you know because because we like the idea that there are rainforests that exist and we like the idea that you know there's the the great barrier reef is there for mm-hmm. us to you know go go see um but as far as like whether we want those things for their own sake i don't know if we can you know like whether those things um uh are like beneficial on their own mm. well i i think i think it's pretty pretty darn clear that they are um and and in fact if i could I think I to speak for myself, my concern is absolutely for their own benefit, despite whether I get to see it or not. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think their inherent val their, their existence is inherently valuable in the same way as our own is. Then uh, I think there's absolutely uh, some aspect of consciousness being reflected in these ecosystems. And yeah. to destroy that makes a poorer world. Mm-hmm. I guess, I guess, but so I, I'm still, I guess what I'm getting at is a poorer world from our perspective still though. Right. And, and, uh, you know, the, the non-existence of the barrier, the great barrier reef isn't actually like increasing any suffering, like on a, you know, on a, on a like nervous systems of animals level. Uh, but it's, here, it's just, here we're, it's just our it's just our human sadness that it doesn't exist. But here we're going back harm. to uh, you're trying to reduce the quantity of suffering as if that's the only measurement of value. Uh, and we've we've already talked about how the amount of suffering is not directly related to the inherent value of the system. Right. I think that. Th- the mere of existence of these entities and these ecosystems has inherent value regardless of any suffering in any situation. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I, I was just trying to, to point out that like our, our initial reason for like wanting to, you know, for saying humans are a virus and that we're destroying everything is like, rooted at least in some sense in like the value or value we're placing on things and not completely um uh like absolute if that makes sense maybe um but the other thing to consider is the if you were to consider the earth as a uh as an ecology as as like an entity almost that uh what what humanity is doing is reducing the uh re- resilience of life on the planet it's creating a less diverse ecosystem which makes it more and more prone to ecological collapse which can snowball if you have a narrow enough ecology totally yeah I actually have the sense that maybe we don't realize how close we are to teetering off that edge no no i i agree (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I, obviously i'm playing i'm playing devil's advocate a little bit Mm -hmm. um because i think yeah i think i think that destruction of nature is 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 like inherently bad just because it's it's um it's it's ca- causing unneeded suffering and and you know um destroying the potential for lots of of flourishing of of mm. conscious beings yes um so here's my hail mary 
if you look at the history of life on this planet, there have been a number of mass extinctions that have occurred where mm -hmm. 99% of all life or something like that is completely destroyed. And mm -hmm. that's happened a few times. And obviously, like, if we could do something about that, that would be good. <laughs> um, but uh, humanity is the only thing that has arisen on Earth that through use of its technology could potentially see those things coming and avert the catastrophe. That is true. That, that That's actually a pretty good argument. I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, we are, we are the one species that can do any, anything even close to, to you know, <laughs> trying to stop <laughs> Yeah. or like mitigate uh, uh, like an asteroid impact or a super volcano or, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I think right now we're doing a pretty shitty job about a accepting that responsibility and yeah. like how much of the U S government's budget is going into NASA and like sciences and how much is going into making bombs and money for rich people. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's obscene. Mm-hmm. If we're not the natural disaster, then we're the uh, we're the solution to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you have you heard like the whole? Um, I think this is a Nick Bostrom thing about like the if you imagine that all all potential like possible technologies are in this bag, and all the like innocuous ideas are these white marbles, but there's you know several marbles in there that are black marbles and those are ideas that when you pull them out it's almost certain that your civilization will be destroyed you mm -hmm. know like some some people you know it's still possible that nuclear you know uh bombs are one of those um ai could also be the same way or you know advances in um in you know gene editing stuff um, mm. um self-replicating nanobots Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it might only be a matter of time before that happens. Yeah. And the only thing that could potentially save us from that inevitabil inevitability is our own foresight. Yeah. Which it's not not clear we're <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have or I mean the other thing is I mean like there's it's really hard to stop something from ever being invented like mm -hmm. that just seems kind of like a hopeless task because someone will be able to fly under the radar and you know create it potentially mm. yeah unless we have drastic sociological changes so that people wouldn't want to do that because everyone appreciates the value of existence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's also, we could, we could develop, a, this is another Nick Bostrom thing, but we could develop a technology that's so dangerous that we would uh, be justified in putting all of humanity on like a, in like a totalitarian, like constant surveillance type situation <laughs> because it's of the risk of any one person, you know, getting a hold of this um, 
technology would be like so dangerous and to everyone on average that mm. you'd be able to justify that. Wow. That's a, a chilling thought. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine something like that that wouldn't just immediately like destroy everything anyway. Mm -hmm. So for there to be existence, I feel like there has to be a shadow. There always has to be some existence that is in suffering. I, I would, uh, yeah, I mean, given our current biology, I don't think that all forms of existence. Uh, I, I mean that as a fundamental law of, of nature, not just our own biological experience. Interesting. So, uh, so, so why is that exactly? Um, well, so there's a couple approaches. Um, the, the one way I could say is that look at our world where we are right now there is suffering and in all of the possible realms of of existence that could could ever happen that if it were possible to have existence without the suffering we would have that but we don't which no. means that sometimes there has to be suffering because there is right now <laughs> No, but I mean that's just because of evolution. Well, it, but but it is. But the the fact of the matter is, it exists. There is this current existence that has suffering, and as we've talked about, time uh, time is uh, like present, right? Things in the past they're still happening there in eternity. Like those moments of of suffering that exist right now and have happened in our past will always have happened. And so, mm -hmm. and so in order to get to, in order to get to a point where there's some hypothetical existence without suffering, we had to go through suffering. Interesting. I, I still don't, uh, it still seems like it's, this is all just like, are you saying like you can't imagine evolution having happened without pain evolving at some point? I guess that's one way to put it. Or or could you could you could you imagine any sort of conscious existence springing into being without having gone through the process of suffering? I mean, it, it all, you know, it all depends on how you define suffering. I mean, if if we are just kind of some uh intelligence that's running some kind of reward function, like a very complicated one, right? You could just say that suffering is something that doesn't, you know, that you're trying to move away from on the reward function to make it, you know, its value increase. Um, and that suffering is just kind of like scoring low mm. with that function. Sure. Although again, that the, the reward and suffering are the, the results and, and not the, the actual thing that is bad. Yeah. Because I mean, the, the whole reason that like consciousness and intelligence exists is to like, you know, further the, the um proliferation of of the genetic code right um and so that's necessarily going to involve um you know defending from harm which is necessarily going to involve some kind of uh perception of of harm yeah yeah so so that's that's one approach i can say 
Um, another another thing that kind of makes sense to me is that so 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 imagine you have absolute nothingness. That's cold, right? I mean, no, it's, it's nothing. <laughs> well, uh, okay, sure, but isn't cold an absence of heat? Cold. Wait, cold? okay, we're yeah. still talking. About, uh, we're still talking about nothing, though, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, okay, but but cold is an absence of heat. It is. It's not an actual thing. It is a nothingness, right? Right. Right. Cool. So you have something that is you you have nothingness a <laughs> little pocket of nothingness and then within that nothingness suddenly manifests a something that what whatever that thing is it is not nothing it is a tangible present thing with an energy signature that's warm right sure yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. So what we have is a warm thing directly and entirely surrounded by an absolutely cold thing. That thing is going to feel that disparity. All, all, all of that empty space around it is going to suck on the energy and defuse it right yeah sure <laughs> so <laughs> where is this going so that that thing that popped into existence let's say it's conscious and it wants to live right so now you have a thing that has come into existence and immediately is surrounded by what has to be considered pain because yeah, it because is it's directly going contrary against, yeah yeah ergo yeah, it's go for going things it's to exist amid nothingness then they have to experience pain yeah and it's and then and it, it's it's kind of going against the second law of thermodynamics right to 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 persist you have to kind of resist the the natural um, yeah exactly direction of the universe which is towards uh yeah less less order mm -hmm. and so if you consider the conundrum of the fact that anything exists at all like that there is things at, instead of not things like <laughs> at some point you have to say that things came out of nothingness well, uh, well, it's also possible that nothingness is actually not a meaningful concept. Uh, yeah, okay, I, 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 I buy that, but at the same time, I think it is also a meaningful concept. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's useful. I don't know. the The question we don't know is whether it actually maps on anything. That's in reality because like what like where would where would it be <laughs> uh-huh uh yeah yeah which is which is a great point um but i think i think w what that 
actually somehow implies is that everything exists directly in contact with nothingness. Right, it's like it's defined by that it's not nothingness. Yeah, exactly. And and so that definition is like the line, the, the dividing line between existing and not existing, and everything is pressed up against that line. So everything has to feel that existential suffering. Right, right. I don't know. You can, yeah, I mean, you can, you can still, I mean, even, you know, so, so I think arguing that that suffering has to be there doesn't quite answer the question of whether it's, it's, uh, good or not. Oh, no. Or, yeah. or whether, the, whether, whether the question, yeah, it doesn't answer the question of, of whether, whether the, the pain and, and the, and the, the good stuff balance out. You're right. I, I don't think it has anything to do with that question. Um, it's just, yeah. uh, uh, a, a little side question of its own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about let's talk about death. All right. So I believe um, this is an idea from Marcus Aurelius that I I accept that in order to have life, you have to have the freedom to die. I can get behind that. However, and, and, and he, what, what he talks about in, is in the context of like, oh, well, if my physical suffering, if, if these horrible, petty people around me and this totally pointless life is not worth a- living anymore, then I should have the courage to kill myself. Mm-hmm. And, and, if, and that gives my life meaning. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't I don't take it in that same way because I don't think that the need to be able to die is uh I don't think it requires a violent act. What do you mean by that? So any let's let's take talk for example of suicide. Any sort of suicide is a violence to your biological system that causes it to separate. Mm-hmm. No, no matter what it is, no matter how gentle and chemical, whatever it is, it's still a violence. Mm-hmm. You're disrupting a system. Um, I don't think I don't think that's necessary, and I think that to impose such a violence is inherently harmful um, overall. But um, but I, I still think that it's necessary to have the freedom to die. Um, so, so the way that we uh, can reconcile those two truths is that it's also necessary to uh, embrace a disillusionment of the self. Embrace a disillusionment of the self. Yeah. Or be be able to so so you have your your own constructed identity right mm-hmm. this this is who I am uh, it's a combination of many impulses that come together to create this one profile mm-hmm. and that's what you identify yourself as mm-hmm. but I think it's absolutely necessary to recognize that in a very real sense what you are is not that constructed identity but you are all of the individual parts that construct that identity 
totally totally yeah and that yeah yeah and so that each of those parts has its own impulses and some of them want to live and some of them want to die right right yeah i think we, we were talking about this at some, some mm-hmm. point earlier yeah it's, it's kind yeah, of unfair we you're, you're kind of you know one one part of you can can wield considerable power over the other the other parts mm-hmm. and and here's another thing where i i kind of uh agree with I, I actually agree with david benatar in that he he talks about how it's it's harmful to to have an idea of forcing people to live when they don't want to i i think that's absolutely true it's it's the same kind of violence as you would oppose impose as if you were to kill yourself yeah i mean i mean you do have to be careful, though, that, you know, the reason that they don't want to keep living isn't become because of some, like, chemical, you know, imbalance that's just, you know, causing them to needlessly suffer. Um, I mean, I can't speak to that. Uh, that has nothing to do with my own experience, except for to say that I have gone through periods of depression, which can be described as a chemical imbalance and in those periods i've had suicidal thoughts and what was valuable to me at the time was to recognize that those parts of me that wanted to die i could allow them to so rather than trying Mm -hmm. to hold them hostage into existing just letting Mm -hmm. go of them and allowing them to die interesting huh because then they just disappear (laughs) Yeah, and then the parts yeah. of you that don't want to die get get to take control. Yeah, I mean, I like if if I'm trying to reach back and remember what like my experience was like, it was like the just the it's like existing at all that you're trying to get away from. It's like the the part of you that is aware, that's the part that that doesn't want to be there. The part that's like aware of anything at all, you know. Which is mm. kind of hard but to I don't hard, think that's, that's that's hard to separate Sorry, from. It's hard to separate from like the rest of you, I guess. Mm. But um, the the part of you that is aware of itself is is a construct, and so it can die without killing all the parts of you. Right, but it, it's not. It's not that I don't want to be aware of. It's not that I don't want to be self aware. It's that I don't want to be aware. Mm-hmm. But that's that's just your particular entity that feels that way about living, and if you allow that entity to 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 stop existing, eventually, and you, and you do that repeatedly over time, eventually, what would be left is an entity that doesn't feel that same way about living, one that is glad to be existing at all. Yeah, I guess I guess I just debate. What it actually means to quote unquote let something die in your brain, which you know, I mean that it like, it kind of just seems like, like you're talking about like a mindfulness thing where like you you like it keeps arising and you keep being like you know like I'm just gonna let that you know fade away, like is that is that mm-hmm. kind of what you're talking about? It's that yeah definitely that that sort of thing. Yeah, it can work. It, yeah, it I guess it just like depends on the. Yeah, I feel like it probably depends on the particular person. I mean, it depends on if you can 
if you can accept it and if you can accept it then it'll work (laughs) (laughs) i mean i don't like i mean now we're getting into like free will about whether you can like choose to you know choose to accept things or or not Mm. yeah i think it's possible to get on a treadmill of fear and anxiety where you don't have the space for breathing and in that that maybe you don't have free will of, of all of the steps that comprise that loop. Yeah. I mean, anxiety definitely like interferes with a sense of free will just because you're, you're so, you're so overloaded with information. You can't really think too much about how to change course. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so, but again, t- tying that back into what I was just saying, what, what worked again for me was allowing that, machine to roll off into its own inevitable destruction rather Mm -hmm. than feeding it continually yeah yeah or or just like you know you can just kind of put a box around it and say like "Uh, that that part of the brain is going to do its thing you know like i'm not gonna you know Mm -hmm. like yeah let it you know let it bother me because it comes back to the thing of uh everything is just a thought right and Mm -hmm. and you have the you have the power when something is a thought to to latch on to it or not to latch on to it in some sense yes yeah that's that's it that's it exactly that's the the freedom that that's another way to say the freedom to exist or not to exist you mean the latching thing yeah yeah although i mean i say freedom and and we still need to have like a free will discussion but I, i think i think I, that's that's not free will but that is that's like attention which is uh the closest thing to a self that we have i think because the self itself mm. is actually an illusion but the 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 seat of attention or at least the ability to to subjectively be able to point it in certain directions mm-hmm. i think that's what most people would call free will but i think even that because your your change in what you're paying attention to is preceded by a thought of changing that uh the focus of the of the attention right and that thought itself arose uh without a prompt in your brain it just kind of appeared right hmm <laughs> uh that's interesting i'll have to think about that i don't know if i buy that necessarily i, I don't know if i buy that that uh progression of it but um that's is I think still a very interesting way to think about it. Yeah. We'll we'll have to devote an entire episode uh, to that. Yeah, for sure. So the real question is, was this conversation worth it? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if I had known it would have been this bad when I went into it. I probably wouldn't have done it, but I'm not going to, like, stop now that I'm here. (laughs) That's what she said. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Wow. That that one wins the cake. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
<laughs> Jesus. Should we end it there? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh.